This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life and calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. All right. Well, let me just give you this message. I don't want to tell you not to do the vaccine. I want to tell you that you need to work on your lifestyle because that vaccine will not serve you very well if you don't build a good immune system. Again, the vaccine will not heal you. It will attack the disease, but your immune system has to heal you. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to episode number 104 of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Today, I am talking to Daniel E. Kennedy about his prime video documentary series called Healthy Long Life. Daniel is a healthcare executive, counselor, author, and filmmaker. His passion for disease prevention was ignited professionally while working with thousands of cancer patients and personally by witnessing the cancer and heart disease-related deaths of his grandmother, uncle, aunt, and father. His philosophy is simple. It's not good enough to live a long, sick life when there's the opportunity to live a healthy, long life. Through the process of writing and ghostwriting 15 books on cancer and heart health, Daniel honed the skills necessary to create, write, and direct the eight-episode Healthy Long Life documentary series on Amazon Prime. His relationship with researchers, clinicians, has developed over the last three decades and has given him access to the world's top experts on healthy life expectancy. I highly suggest you check out his website, healthylonglife.com, and I also highly recommend this Amazon Prime series 
called Healthy Long Life. Enjoy this episode and Merry Christmas. First of all, Daniel, I want to welcome you to the Rebel Health Coach podcast today. I'm so excited to be here with you, Tom, because I think you get it. I really do. I've been listening to your podcast. I think you get it. And what you have to share is really life-saving, and that's not an exaggeration. I appreciate that. I appreciate you reaching out to me, and, and bef- we're going to dig in really deep here because it's, it's, this is, I just, when you reached out, I started watching your documentary, which we're going to talk about. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And for those of you that are listening, uh, Daniel, actually, you produced it, right? Yeah, actually, I mean, it's a very, very personal project for me. So I'm the creator, director, producer. I filmed it. I did the music score. And really why it's so personal is just the history of chronic disease in my family, My grandmother died of ovarian cancer. She had three children, my dad, my uncle, my aunt. My uncle died of pancreatic cancer. My aunt died of stage four melanoma. My dad had renal cancer, but died last year of congestive heart failure. The two boys had kids, myself, my sister, and three cousins. So we're five, right, in that group. Already the eldest has had lymphoma cancer. So I'm like, whatever was being served at my table. In our lifestyle, it's like we had a recipe to create cancer or heart disease. And I don't want to pass that on to my kids and my future grandkids. So I went out uh, around the world. I went to 13 different countries and I interviewed locals in longevity capitals. How? What are you doing to live long? But I also then went and talked to the scientists And that's really what you experience when you watch my docu-series, Healthy Long Life. I want to share that with the world. But to be honest, the first person I wanted to share it with was myself. I needed to turn my life around and then my family. That's amazing because this Healthy Long Life documentary series is an eye-opener for me. I just started watching it. I'm three, three episodes in right now. I watched India. Israel, and there's one more before Israel. Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. And man, it's just, and you have a book that you wrote that I'm just digging into. I think I just started reading it. Uh, The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer. So what were you before this? And what's the catalyst for driving you into this health realm and, and digging into this? I mean, your parents and grandparents. Uh, with having cancer and a history of cancer in your family was a part of the catalyst. But what what were you do? What did you do before all this? You know, I really sometimes think I didn't have a choice. I was born into this because my mom's father, my grandfather, is Ernesto Contreras, and he was the very first alternative cancer treatment uh. doctor in Mexico. And he started our hospital, Oasis of Hope Hospital, in 1963 with this crazy vision that if you provide the body with the right resources, the body will heal itself. And he went one step further. He said, it's not just the body, it's the body, the mind, the spirit. So back in the early 60s, he's doing this holistic healing kind of thing. And you know, all the doctors in conventional medicine were like, that guy is a quack. 
Now they're all, all trying to emulate him. Even MD Anderson has a $2 million study on functional foods. Uh, you know, so the mainstream now is coming around and saying, guess what? Lifestyle medicine does have its place, you know? And earlier when I got to meet you, you were talking about how you're a health coach with functional medicine, but you are working with a doctor as well. I'm such a believer in that multidisciplinary approach, you know? And I believe that every single person needs to build their own health support team. Right. One of the biggest problems about the the medical model um, that's standard is it's a reactive model, you know. And I want to make a couple of statements and tell me if you agree with this. Medicine, pharmaceuticals, they do not help you thrive and they do not help your health. What they do is they fight against disease. They, medicine fights against disease. It doesn't promote health. Right. So how do we promote health? And that's where guys like you come in. Well, it's, you know, there's some big hitters in this, in this, like Dr. Mark Hyman, you know. Oh, yeah. We've got the, the doctor you talked about in Mexico. He's been doing this before it was even popular. And like you he said. He was doing this when he'd get in trouble for doing it because, the, the, you know, the systems didn't want right. A model to prosper where people literally could care for themselves and not go to a doctor. I mean, I do believe in going to the doctor. When you do have disease, you do need some medicine that can stop the disease, but then it's up to you to get healthy. See, this whole reactive model where I get sick, now I need a doctor is not promoting health. It's just rescuing you for another day to promote health. Health is proactive and it's a decision that you make every single day when you get up, if you're breathing, if you're exercising, and then you make it every forkful. Right, exactly. That's what promotes health. food, Food is medicine. Food is the medicine. Food is is the only healing medicine. Pharmaceuticals combat disease. Right. 100%. I am on board you 100%. And, you know, we're going to dive into the documentary, but you're, you're, sadly, but in America, there's a need for allopathic physicians. Absolutely. If you fall down and break your arm, they're going to fix it. If you get in a car accident, those people are going to fix you. Those doctors are going to fix you. But we have to get away from this model of relying on medicine to save us from a disease that we that we brought on to ourselves. I'm right there with you. And if I could add, we absolutely need doctors, but we need doctors that become promoters of health. Now, in acute situations, Dr. Shine, if you're in a car accident and you do break some limbs, you absolutely need to go to a doctor and maybe even have a surgeon put those bones into place. But let me tell you this, doctors do not heal. What they do is they position your bones for healing to happen. Think about it. When you leave... The, the doctor, you have a cast around your arm, but your arm is not healed. And they say, well, that's going to take six to eight weeks to heal. 
So that's really what doctors and pharmaceuticals do. They fix whatever is causing the problem, but then your healing is up to the nutrients that you provide your body, right? You need to build new bones. Scar tissue needs the right types of things. You need to keep hydrated. You need plenty of fresh air for the the oxygen. So yes, we need doctors, but any doctor worth his salt is going to say, well, I don't actually heal. I help the patient get to a place where the disease gives their body a chance to heal. Right. To your point that you mentioned a little bit earlier, when we were created, when God created our bodies, he created a system that given the right environment inside of our bodies will heal itself. That includes food. You know, McDonald's, Burger King, all that stuff is not food. That's not real food. And if you take a McDonald's burger and put it on your counter, it will not mold. I did this test. I put it on the counter and I left it there for a year. And people will come visit and they'd say, what's this burger doing? I said, I'm doing a little experiment to see if this will ever mold. I finally threw it out after a year, but it was no mold on it because there's no food substances in that, in that burger. Yeah, if mold and bacteria won't eat it, we shouldn't either, right? It's, it's just chemical and it's preservatives and and, uh, but what I am finding, and, and this is a, one of the reasons why I really wanted to be on the Rebel Health Coach, because I believe your message and what you're sharing is so important for people. You know, what I find is that there's lots of people that know better, but they need encouragement to make those small little steps. And if you try to do something cold turkey, it probably is not going to uh, uh, hold. Like if you're like, okay, I'm 50 pounds overweight and I'm going to go on this crazy keto diet and I'm going to lose those 50, you'll probably put on 60 in under two years. And that's backed by, by statistics of it plenty is. of clinical trials that I've read. But if you make small steps, like, you know, I'm going to make it so that I don't have a burger three times a week. I might have that burger once a month as my, or even once a week as my first step, which is I'm celebrating six days out of the week that I didn't eat that burger, which is not helping my health. I think that's more doable because you're not prohibiting. Because as soon as you say, you can't have this, your subconscious starts to just want that like you've never wanted it before. I don't know why forbidden fruit is so sweet, right? So if you come about with like a moderation approach, which is, okay, I won't have a burger except once, you know, if you can do once a week and then once a month and then once a year, your cravings fall in place. Exactly. I mean, I... I myself, and my listeners have heard me say this before, I do, I'll sit down with a pint of Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey and eat the whole thing like once a month. And that's it. I got my fix. I'm done. And that's like, the pint is like 84 grams of sugar, you know, which sugar is the worst of the, of the, of all of it besides uh, uh, oils, saturated oils. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I bet though, I'm just guessing, Tom, that the first five to 10 
spoonfuls are like, this is awesome. Right. But by the time you're getting past the halfway point, you're kind of like, oh, this isn't as easy to chow down as it used to be. Like your, your body kind of makes those changes. So if you don't impose on it these radical diets, right. but you just make small little steps, your body kind of stops. You know, And then when you have that one burger in the month, you start to kind of have to labor to even finish the yeah, burger. Exactly. I mean, and it's just as simple as just eat real food. Unfortunately, and we're going to get into this right now, is because you took, for your documentary, you went and visited the Blue Zones. And for people, for people out there listening today who don't understand what Blue Zones are, Blue Zones are areas in the, in the world where the population lives long and healthy for up to 100, 110, 120. Yeah. And so you, this whole documentary series, you're, there's, eight, there's eight episodes, correct? Yeah, so there's seven episodes. And then when uh, Prime Video wanted to release it, I'm like, you know what? Right now we're on lockdown because of the pandemic. I'm going to see if those experts would do interviews by phone and so I made a bonus episode that speaks just to the pandemic and, and gives good tips for that. Uh, and and that is, so right now on Prime Video, there's five episodes, but there's three more that are going to be released over the next couple of months. So okay. there's more to come. Good. I'm looking forward to that because I'm enjoying the series. Awesome. Let's talk about the, first of all, I was impressed by, you really hung out with some amazing doctors. Oh, yeah. The, it was amazing to me. And, and I have to tell you, I really felt God's favor because there was the doors were open that I'm like, who am I to walk through these doors? Like, to me, it was insane uh, to be in Geneva, Switzerland, the World Health Organization with the top director of the Department of Nutrition mm. for the world. I thought yeah. that was insane. And then the Max Planck Institute in Germany. Look, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listener, just right. Google Max Planck. I mean, we're talking about top, top research organization. And the next thing I knew it, not only was I with uh, the director of early detection and early diagnosis for Cancer Research UK, she had me in her personal home. And that's her personal garden that's in the background, Sarah wow. You know. All of a sudden, I was in with the chair of chemistry at the University of Delhi, which has numerous Nobel Prizes in its history. And then I was with the former president of the University of Beijing in China. So the world opened up, and I really started to feel this conviction that if I was going to get all of this information, I needed to be a, an ambassador for all of these researchers and academics and help them get this really useful information to the general public. So Tom, thank you for having me on your program because you're helping complete my mission. Let's get this information out because people are dying for lack of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Which one of these doctors was your personal favorite? I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dean Ornish myself. Can I tell you a real quick story on Dean Ornish? Uh, yes. So I called his office. I want to interview. And they told me I needed to speak with uh, the media company that manages this interview. And I got a call in there. And I, I didn't have any luck. But 
as fortune would have it, the next week I was at a health conference where he was a speaker and I was out at my table because I was recruiting people uh, for the documentary series. And he walked up to me in an empty hall. It was me and Dean Ornish. And I was like, this is my one and only shot. So I try to be calm on the outside because he's a big deal to me. Oh, he's a big okay. deal. He's a big deal. And, and he's like, so who are you and what are you doing? I said, funny you should ask. And an hour later, he was in front of my camera. He nice. was the most articulate, clear speaker. And his message was so strong. He was talking about nutrients that can turn oncogenes off, genes that are related to cancer. He just got into it. He started talking about his clinical studies. He's doing a clinical trial right now on food, using food to combat Alzheimer's. Dean Ornish is an absolute genius. Yes. Who was my favorite though? Man, that's that's not a fair question, Tom. You can't <laughs> ask me that. But I'll tell you who I, I love dearly. T. Colin Campbell of oh. the China study. Because he, to me, is like the, the rock star. The, right. the one that everyone else follows. But he and his wife, Karen, are such lovely people. And from the day I met him, he embraced me and he embraced the project. And I could not believe it when he actually introduced me to the scientist in China. He started setting up interviews for me. I'm like, how is it that the T. Colin Campbell is opening doors for me? And uh, so I feel a real commitment to share you know, what he has to say. And he has some tremendous things to, to talk about uh, combating COVID. And he connects it back to his studies in China where they were controlling uh, hepatitis B, which is a virus, through foods. And he said, on the same theory, we can also, and he says, hypothetically, because he hasn't done the study yet, but he, he absolutely is a believer that viruses can be controlled through the food we eat. So yeah, T. Colin Campbell is at the top of my list. Awesome. He's, yeah, he's a genius too. And you had some real geniuses. And then you had Michael Greger. Uh, oh man, he's just amazing. Yeah. And he's a handful. What a personality. <laughs> Nobody has more personality than Michael Greger, but he's so knowledgeable. He's so matter of fact. And the thing about Dr. Greger, what's so important about him is that every statement he makes is backed by like 50 clinical studies. Like nobody knows the science better than Dr. Greger. And I think that's one of his main points is we're not trying to sell you snake oil when we talk about right. foods that heal. We are promoting science right? 100%. And you cannot stop, uh, uh, stump Dr. Greger because he knows the science. And of course, I'm a big fan of his book, How Not to Die. Yeah, How Not to Die. There's some really good books out. And you could just go on and on and on. Well, your, yours is one of them. I'm enjoying it. Because cancer, let's face it, lifestyle diseases are on the rise. and They, they are. And cancer is a lifestyle disease. And It is. And we're getting so excited in the industry, the medical industry, of all of these 
incredible new genetic targeting drugs and, oh, CRISPR now that can go into the DNA and reprogram it so you don't get cancer. But what they're not telling you is that those therapies can be a million dollars a year per patient or higher. So it's not even reasonable to think that the average person is going to have access to this new technology. And who knows if the new technology is really the the answer. But again, it's treating the disease, not promoting the health. So I'm not going to wait for new technology. I'm going to start promoting my health, you know, today. There's, you know, that's what we're going for. But the book, The Art and Science of Undermanning Cancer, it took me four years to write that. I think I have almost 60 pages of medical uh, publication references, you know, because probably Dr. Greger really inspired me. He's like, Daniel, he didn't say this to me, right? But I, I'm looking at him and his example is saying, Daniel, if you're going to publish a book, you better have the science. Right. Yeah, there's some amazing docs out there. And, you know, and they're all, they're all about this getting food as medicine. I mean, that's the crazy part. And one of the things, let's talk about the blue zones. So you, let's talk about the first country you went to, which was India. What did what did you experience in these during these travels about the people? And one thing I noticed during the movies or this the ones I've watched so far is that it seems like they're more relaxed in those countries <laughs> than stressed That's a out. Big one. That is a big button you just pushed. It's so good. So when I set out. I really had two types of countries that I wanted to look at. I wanted to look at the blue zones, but I also wanted to look at countries that had ancient healing traditions and that were promoting health versus combating disease. Mm. So India really fell into that because India is not a blue zone. And because, um, it still has such a massive population that's living below subsist or living at subsistence level. Uh, you know, they're still dealing with basic things like clean water. So it's not going to be a blue zone for a long time because they can't even uh, guarantee clean water to people. But they should be much sicker and dying even younger than they are. And they're not because. Their food is medicine. They are the spice capital of the world. And so many of their spices control disease and promote health. Like, you know, most of their curries uh, will have turmeric in it, which has curcumin in it. And curcumin is incredible at um, at combating uh, inflammation, among many things. But it also has plenty of clinical trials. Uh, that it fights cancer as well. So curcumin is this powerful thing, in, in, uh, nutrient inside of turmeric. And turmeric's in the food in India all day long, oh, all right. right? They don't stop there. And also because there's so much poverty, they can't afford, a large uh, proportion of the, of the country can't afford medication. And so they go to their grandmothers and great grandmothers. You know, what do we do when we have a fever? Well, they have this this uh, 
plant called tulsi in india i don't i don't even really know i haven't found it in the us but it's tulsi and it controls the fever it lets the fever combat the the disease as it needs but it manages the symptoms so um, there in india everybody knows how to use nature's pharmacy and that's what was so uh fascinating to me about india hmm. that's interesting because we as human be- here in the united states is you know we get a fever and the first thing we're doing is going to the drugstore to get something that's poisonous and put it in our body to combat the fever which you're really fighting against your immune system. You right. had talked about how God gives us this, this immune system, right? So a, fe- a fever should never be cut off. It should just be managed because you really can't do over 103, 104 degrees uh, Fahrenheit for very long without running risk. But to manage it, all you have to do is jump in a shower or some ice packs, but let it do its thing. A, a fever is a natural healing process and not only can it combat the infection or foreign body but it then stimulates your immune system for weeks after so a fever actually is a great thing to experience yeah and people in india and mexico where i film they all know that they don't kill the fever they manage it but they manage it through these these foods and these plants hmm. one thing about the immune system i find amazing is that and and one of the things that I think the reason that COVID is in the United States is so high is because we, like, when I was a kid, we played in the dirt. Yep. We got dirty. We got really dirty. We ate dirt. Absolutely. You know? And I think one of the reasons today that the immune systems are so disrupt is because Mothers keep their children so clean that they don't get a chance to ha- grow an immune system inside their body. And I think, you know, there's a book out called Just Eat Dirt. I think it was, uh, it might have been a Mark Hyman book called Eat Dirt. It might have been, I don't know who it was, but dirt is not bad. Dirt boosts your immune system. And I think with, like, with COVID, and nobody's talking about this, and it, it really, Pisses me off to the point where I've gotten booted off of Facebook many times for and put in Facebook jail for talking about the you know why isn't anybody talking about what to do to build our immune system so we can fight COVID instead of pushing this vaccine that let's face it the COVID test is not even a hundred percent accurate you know Elon Musk last week went and got four tests on the same day. Two came back negative, two came back positive. So the, the test itself is not, not even right. And yet we're, we're not even combat. We're not even talking about sugar. We're not talking about high fructose corn syrup. We're not talking about the things that cause your breakdown of your immune system. You know, and that's, that's where this blue zone in your, in your movie come, or your documentary comes in is that, you know, these places that you went, these people get it. And they don't gorge on the food, am I right? They take eat small meals, and, and it's just I like to, I want you to go through these these countries and tell us a little bit about each of the what you found particularly interesting about each region. Yeah, so when I started out, you know, my heroes are all plant based nutrition types. Like um, 
I absolutely love Dr. Hans Deal and his Lifestyle Medicine Institute there in Loma Land, Loma Linda, which is one of the blue zones. It is a blue zone. With all of the Adventists. So I went there and started with him. But as I set out, I had this conviction that if I'm going to be a documentary maker and not a soapbox preacher, I have to show what I find, not the met. I don't want to to choose my interview subjects to fit my message. I want to really see what's going on there. So I'm going out with this, you know, plant-based nutrition hat on. And the first thing I see is that they're eating cheese and they're doing lots of olive oil and they're eating goat. And the specialty, or as the British say, the speciality of of Sardinia is this uh, baby pig on a spit uh, over oven fire. And I'm like, now, how is it that Sardinia has more men over the age of 100 years old per capita than anywhere else in the world? And they're eating cheese, and they're eating goat, (laughs) and they're eating pork. This blows my mind. And what I found was that they're only eating that baby pig, and it's a baby pig, not the massive pork, at rare special occasions like a wedding reception. They're not eating it every day. It's rare that they do. Also, they're not eating goat every day. And then their portion size is smaller than what would fit in your hand. Not these 22-ounce T-bone steaks, you know, or they're not eating a rack of lamb. They're eating this little portion. And here's the thing on cheese. They're using goat's milk, which already has a lot less of the the casein's protein, which is related to cancer that Colin Campbell talks about. But they're making it themselves. They're actually milking the goat themselves. Right. And so I don't know how much you cook, Tom, but any listener that really does a lot of food prep, and I guess from your lifestyle, you're doing a lot of food prep. When you have to make all your own food, you tend not to eat it all in one sitting because then you're, oh my goodness. Right. And so they're eating such small portions. So that these are the takeaways from Sardinia. Um, number one, everything like special treats. They're treated like special treats uh, that they shouldn't really be eating a lot of. They don't. They eat very, very small portions on occasion. Uh, Number two, most of these families were growing their own uh, vegetables in a family garden. They really, you didn't see grocery stores, first of all. And then the local market was so small because it's not good business to run a market there because everybody has their farm outside their door. You know, we went into this one house, a personal home where they made some Sardinian dishes for us. And they had a wood fire uh, uh, oven inside their house. And the gentleman that was making this fresh baked bread literally went out to the garden and pulled branches off a tree <laughs> to fire his oven. Wow. <laughs> I was like, this, it can't get more authentic than this. This is this is just pure joy. There's everything in moderation. And then movement. Uh, I remember we were driving between two towns way up there uh, in the granite mountains of Sardinia. 
And we'd been driving at least uh, 10 kilometers when we had to stop because there were these six elderly gentlemen. They all looked like they were at 80 years old and above. And they were crossing the road with their sheep and their goats. And so when we got to the next town, it was another 10 kilometers. So those men had had to walk at least 10 kilometers to get there and another 10 to get back. And so we asked some of the townspeople and they said, oh, yeah, um, pretty much all of us do that. But that wasn't the, the 20 kilometer walk wasn't once. It was twice because they say, yeah, we have to take them out to their grazing area. And then in the evening, we come back for him. Wow. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not really great at, at uh, doing the conversion, right? But if they were walking uh, some 40 kilometers, we're talking like 15 miles or something like that a day. And these guys are 80 and they were no rush. And so you touch that button, which is so important, Tom. What I did see around the world was this calm and peace and just going through the day and not missing the moments. Uh, like when I was in France, I, I interviewed at the University of Paris or Sorbonne University, uh, the head of nutrition. And she just talked about how lunch was a, was a minimum two-hour occasion. In, in, in the United States, no employer is going to give you two hours to go have lunch. Right. But she said, that's how we do it. And she said, it's not only important what we eat, but it's important with whom we eat. And I understand it because if you get into like the psychoendocrinology, what happens in your endocrine system, depending on your emotional state. And if I'm eating with someone who's really pleasant and gives me energy, but isn't somebody who makes me fearful and nervous and depressed because of their stories, it's going to affect how my body how my body assimilates because right. I'm going to have a different endocrine profile in the moment I'm eating. It's really crazy stuff, Tom. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more in depth because there's a couple things going on here. First of all, stress, sleep, and eating, and movement. Movement. So, so four keys that you hit on here. First of all, we don't, when we go to the store here in America, we try and find the closest spot to the door. Second of all, we're, most of us, and, I, and myself included, there's days where I'm super stressed and we eat fast. Yes. We don't sit and enjoy our food with, with family or friends. We eat. I, there's many times that I'm guilty of it. I sit at my desk right here where we're talking. And eat while I'm Me doing too. something. Me too. And those are things that we really, unfortunately, need to work on and consciously work on. And I do. I mean, I take my time when I, I, I you know, when I'm got some time to take, which I have to make. We as Americans have to take time for ourselves. Yeah, and I think what you know, how I'd relate to you is you were talking about how the people in the blue zones get it. And I would almost challenge that statement and say, no, they don't get it. They are enjoying the culture they were raised in. And that's what the culture valued. They valued time with people. They valued fresh produce. 
And it wasn't on, oh, I'm going to do this because that's good for my health. It's like, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is what has been passed down to us. You come to the United States and the Industrial Revolution, and we started to be uh, finding our value and how busy we, we could be. Right. And I can't tell you how many people start off when they approach me. I know you're really busy. <laughs> and I'm sorry to try to take your time because I know you're so busy. And I always come under conviction because I am a very busy person. I'm running a, a full cancer treatment hospital and doing documentaries and writing books. Yeah, I'm probably busy. And it's because I was raised in an environment where your value was based on your output. Instead of your value based on you are a child of God. Right. You know, and hey, when I grew up back in the 70s, we used to watch a show called The Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. They, you know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we're worth more than six million dollars just by waking up in the morning. You know, Tom, your life has value and you dedicating time to do the Rebel Health Coach podcast is adding value to other people's lives. But your podcast isn't what makes you important. It's you, just you. We could just stop there. You and I could turn the podcast off and just have a meal together and we would benefit from the value that we have just in ourselves. And so these other cultures, they value family. They value a meal and in the U.S., we value production and stock prices. And unfortunately, we impose that on ourselves. You know, how could you dare take even 30 minutes to eat? You must be scribbling down notes for your next meeting while you're eating. You know, and like you said, you get your hormones racing. And now that you're having this high levels of cortisol in your system, that food is affecting you in all the wrong ways instead of affecting you in the right ways because you triggered an adrenal gland yep. overload. Yep. And stress is the number one driver for visits to the doctor. Absolutely. Um, I think as science catch up, uh, we're going to find more and more that stress is the number one cause of all chronic diseases. Okay. And especially because... Fortunately, in some parts of the U.S., tobacco use, that message is really getting across. and Tobacco use is, is on the decline significantly. And so that's going to make room for stress to become the number one uh, right. uh, killer. The other thing that we have to talk about is obesity. Um, yes. You know, I, I love that fat shaming now will get you canceled. If you fat shame, your your podcast is canceled. Right. I love that because that doesn't help anybody. But at the same time, obesity is the absolute gateway to diabetes, right. to cardiovascular disease, and people don't get this, but to cancer, you know, and it's like, why cancer? Well, for inflammation and things like that, but you know, one factor, say in breast cancer, is too much estrogen exposure. Right. And we get estrogen when we eat foods that have pesticides because many pesticides are estrogen-like substances. Right. 
and but men do as well. It's like, well, wait a second. I don't even have ovaries, so I'm not producing uh, estrogen. Well, here's the big secret that people don't know: fat tissue produces estrogen. Exactly. So the more fat tissue that we as men have, you know, and I'm a I'm a health proponent, but I still have. I got a dad bod. I don't have one of those actors <laughs> where I'm constantly working on keeping fit. But the you know I keep in my mind the less fat I have, the less estrogen production I'm going to have in my body. You know, and so that lowers my risk of cancer. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, and. You know, and to your point, it's we, and we even wear lack of sleep or lack of deep sleep as a badge of honor. You know, people say, "Hey, I was a, you know, I only get, I only sleep five hours a night." Like it's a, you get a prize. Well, the problem is, as your lymphatic system, you have to move your body. The glymphatic system in our brains needs sleep in order to heal itself. So if you're not getting a deep sleep every night, which I have a watch that tracks my sleep and I track it religiously to see how things, different things drop my deep sleep. You know, like if I have a couple glasses of alcohol at night, it will, my, my, I won't ever get into a deep REM sleep at all. So you're not really getting rested and your glymphatic system needs that deep REM sleep to clear your central nervous system out. Absolutely. So stress, deep sleep, eat slowly, savor your food. You know, these are the things that Americans aren't doing and not eat full meals. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. This is a, a, a time where people gorge themselves on food for an hour. Mom's grandma spends all day cooking and the food's gone in an hour. You know, and we all or sit- in, my, in my household, they, they did so much food that you'd gorge all weekend long. And you exactly. just sit down and watch the football game while you're <laughs> taking in like 3,000 calories. calories. Meal. Right. Uh, I get it. But, you know, this I wanted to make a comment on why I think that the name of your podcast, The Rebel Health Coach, is so brilliant and what it means to me. Okay. To me, you're a rebel, not against health, but against the system that makes sleeping five hours a night a badge of honor, that makes being over busy a badge of honor, a system that promotes a passive approach to healthcare only go when you're sick versus keeping well through lifestyle. To me, that is the rebel in you, not accepting the system that the US, you know, we were grown. That way, look at this. Everybody listening to this podcast, if you were born in North America, you're going to tell me that this was a message given to you as a kid. Clean your plate. 100%. You have to clean your plate. There are kids that are less fortunate that like, well, what are you going to serve the leftovers? Send them to Africa or something? No, right? But it's true. I, I work in Mexico and daily... I'm coming in contact with kids that aren't getting enough to eat. And we try to help as much as we can, but the need is overwhelming. I get that. So it shouldn't be clean your plate because you're you're being irresponsible 
by throwing away food. It should be serve half the portion and then give it an hour. And if you're still hungry, serve a little bit more. That is the health message, right? You have to be a health rebel to give that message of serve less. I I did I appreciate all the beautiful comments, man. I'm grateful for you. Yeah, it's been a it's it's interesting. It's an interesting life we live in the United States, and it's even more interesting now with COVID. I mean, I, I see people. I, I mean, fear is is growing. Fear is causing stress, and we're all. And stress is breaking down your. It's a it's a, a vicious circle right now. Fear is causing stress. Stress is the stress is not allowing you to sleep. It's all three of them are breaking down your immune system to the point where you're going to get sick. The first thing that I did, you know, as I was in lockdown in California, Governor Newsom being celebrated for locking us all down, I I thought, you know, maybe I could do a special episode on on COVID-19 or coronavirus. So I reached out and I was blown away that uh, Dr. Delia Garcia, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Francisco Contreras, Dr. Hans Deal. And a doctor from the front line in northern Italy, which was the highest death rate from COVID-19 at the time, Dr. Massimo Bonucci, all did an interview for me uh, by phone or by computer. And they came across with a completely different message. They were addressing the comorbidity. So COVID-19 is most lethal in people that already have another disease. Right. 100%. So again, lifestyle will, if you lose weight so that you're at less risk for diabetes and heart disease, you are automatically protecting yourself from COVID-19 or putting yourself in that group that's going to do well and recover. And the vaccine is trying to do that in an artificial manner. A vaccine is trying to expose your body to something similar to it to the virus so that your immune system kicks in. Uh, well, even if let's just say you're gonna be in the group that's gonna be, you know, when can I have the vaccine? I have to have it, I have to have it. All right, well, let me just give you this message. I don't want to tell you not to do the vaccine. I want to tell you that you need to work on your lifestyle because that vaccine will not serve you very well if you don't build a good immune system. Again, the vaccine will not heal you. It will attack the disease, but your immune system has to heal you. Right. 100% correct. And one of the things, and I want to talk about this real quick, is... And this comes from our food system here in the United States, industrialized food versus what you saw on your travels. Our supply chain, industrial agriculture, and industrial food, people that grow the food, the soil is completely depleted of things our body needs to function, like magnesium. Correct. If your body's lacking magnesium, which 90% of Americans are, and you you can't get it from food anymore because the kale, 
is grown, shipped, and grown again, and shipped again. There's, there's no magnesium left. There's no magnesium in the kale anymore because it's grown so fast and shipped so fast. So you're basically eating kale thinking you're getting a nutrient that you need, and you're not getting that nutrient. We have a problem. We have a big problem. And those countries that you visited, those they grow the food, like you said, in Sarnia, they grow their food. Or Sarnia, right? Sardinia. 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 I mean, it's right outside their back door. You know, I interviewed this one gentleman that was 96 years old, and he started talking about the family farm. And I'm like, oh, is it far? He's like, would you like to see? I said, sure. So his 92-year-old kid brother said, hop in our car. And he was driving us there. And we went and they showed us. They they kind of did like a family co-op with all the brothers and sisters. And in their 90s, they were planting and, and picking and you know harvesting their own foods. But you're talking about the system in the U.S., where everything has to be delivered in a certain way. And, uh, you know, if the apple isn't this perfect shape and whatever, it's thrown away, it's discarded, you know. So they do all kinds of genetic engineering to make sure that you get the perfect watermelon and, and all of this. But, you know, there are growers that are really changing and making a difference. And uh, one of those is now a friend of mine named Pedro Batis. And I met Pedro Batis uh, because his father came to my hospital uh, about 19 years ago with three months to live from cancer, and he was cured. And he's featured in that Mexico uh, episode. Okay, He lived like an, a, another 17 years. And they were major growers in Mexico, and they were so inspired from our teachings at, at our hospital, Oasis of Hope Hospital, that they decided to start making the change and they started getting into sustainable growing in their farms. And I actually filmed in one of their farms in Ensenada, Mexico, where it's all organic, sustainable, and they're rotating crops and they're making sure that the soil has the nutrients and people are eating it up. I think they sold like $60 $60 million of produce last year to Whole Foods, Costco, and Pavilion, but coming out of organic, nutrient-rich farming techniques, sustainable. Um, but to get the whole world to change like that, that's a tall order. That's a tall order. Yeah. But why did this family make it? Because their father had cancer. And the interesting thing is that two of his daughters... Uh, got breast cancer, and they came to us where at Oasis of Hope we use foods that heal, and they're both doing well. So if you have a personal motivation, you'll do something about exactly. it. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's kind of the the kind of the reason I started the Rebel Health Coach is because my numbers aren't great, and I don't really care if I change one person's life just by listening to an episode such as this. And one person's light bulb goes off in their head saying, wow, I'm going to make a change. I did my job. And that's all I care about. That's the same exact reason why I made this film Healthy Long Life. You know, and, and really, I consider it to be a nudge. 
you know, because people know that they got to stop eating the way they are and they know they need to get out there and move, but they need just a loving, compassionate, non-judgmental nudge. Uh, And so when I was making a documentary series, I kept cutting away from the science into the culture, you know, to give. Yeah, I saw that and I noticed that. Yeah, so that so that you kind of had this moment to just kind of breathe from the from the uh, educational side of it and just enjoy this beautiful music, live dancing music from Sardinia and then India and then live music, the trio in Mexico of these guys in Mexico City, you know, and, and and all of it is just to say, you know what, your life is valuable and you can do it. But make a small change today, and then next week make another small change. I love and that. If my documentary series can help you do that, and if the Rebel Health Coach can help you do that, you know, feed your ears, feed your brain with this good information to just encourage you that your life is worth fighting for. Yep. I like to say, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Absolutely. And it's so true. Just make one step every day towards something that you want to change and it will, it will happen. So what are some key takeaways from, for, for your personal key takeaways from filming this documentary series? You know, I really gave that uh, a thought and had to go through so much. Um, my total runtime of, of all my episodes is, is under six hours, but I filmed a hundred and. 10 hours. Wow. And I had to distill it to like the six hours that I thought were the most important. But then I was anticipating that someone like Tom Underwood would give me the question you just did and think, well, I got to distill the five and a half hours (laughs) down to 30 seconds. (laughs) And I came up with five things that I want to share. The first one I already shared, medicine. Medicine can keep you alive, but it won't help you thrive. It's designed to fight disease, but it doesn't promote health. So you need to do something else. The second one, so important, excess. We're just eating too much. And the only thing that the health experts around the world completely agreed on was portion size, or they call it caloric restriction. Eat less, you will be healthier, you'll live uh, longer, but then I got to thinking about it. It's not just the excess of food, but it's the excess of emotional baggage and stress that that our culture programs for us. So we we need to pr- be proactive in just lightening the emotional baggage, and a lot of that comes through self exploration and maybe even counseling forgiveness. It's not only forgiving others, but I think the hardest person in the world to forgive is yourself. Oh, amen. We have to stop guilting ourselves to death because guilt is toxic and doesn't have a good effect on your endocrine system. So we need to forgive others and forgive ourselves. And that leads me to the third point, connections. I especially saw this in Japan and how the elderly are connected to their family and not shipped off you know, set sail on the piece of ice, that they are an integral part of the family. And I saw this so much in Sardinia, Italy, uh, and in Mexico and in India. 
You know, the, the elders are valued and the connections are there. And we need social connections with family and friends, which are healing. But we also need to pursue our spiritual connection because we are spiritual bodies. And your, your emotional health and your spirituality will absolutely lower the anxiety and stress in your life, as well as your friendships. I, I think that friendships are kind of like the surface area. If you're not connected to anybody, the heavy thing that's burdening your life is all on you. But if you have friends that you can share with and they can share with, we're spreading out the emotional surface area and we'll get through life better. Uh, Here's the fourth and fifth, healing foods. Healing foods turn good genes off and turn bad genes off. And you're going to hear in my documentary series, Dean Ornish talk at length about that. And also Dr. Michael Clapper. Uh, He says that our nutrients in our food plays our genes like a piano. And I love that. And then the last takeaway I had is we need to be active. We just can't be sedentary. And people are like, oh, we're on lockdown. Well, guess what? If you're doing good social distancing, you shouldn't be locked down in your house. You should be out on the on the mountain trails, hiking, breathing fresh air. The CDC and the World Health Organization all say that the best place to be to combat coronavirus is out in fresh air where there's breeze. That is not where the disease is passing. It's passing inside houses in family units. So get out there, get a move on. You can be healthy. And I I love, uh, Tom, that you're already watching Healthy Long Life. I hope that your viewers do as well. They could just get on Prime Video and search Healthy Long Life. and That will pop up. I'm enjoying it. I really am. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to watch some tonight again and keep going on it because I can't. I'm really looking forward to the, the, the three episodes that aren't released yet especially the COVID one. I'll let you know. I'll send you a yeah, Do that. You could mention that to your listeners. Yeah, uh, I will. I will. When, they, when they're out. Um, you're going to get into an episode that was filmed in Europe. And I guess I won't do any movie spoilers, but my goodness, is that a great one. And I have two different chefs. I have the rebel chef. Oh, nice. <laughs> in Rome. He's a punk rock chef. Nice. And we actually have footage of his punk rock band. He is as good of a punk uh, lead singer as he is a chef. But then I have this one chef, and I won't give it away, but he's a top two-star Michelin chef that's doing sustainable farming at one of the top culinary schools in the world. That's all I'll say. Now, before we close out, I got a couple quick questions. Is it possible for us for America to even write the ship at this point? One person at a time, I, I guess, is the, the okay. answer. And I think I'm just going to, if you'd allow me the honor, I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you as together we look for one person at a time. And then we'll look for the next person and we'll look for the, the next person. But what I've often found in my life's experiences is that many times you're closer to the light than you think you are. Ooh. And you have to keep that vision. So if you're caught in this massive storm, you cannot see the sun, but it might be just a few more steps away. And so, you know, keep going and believing for that and make social connections and focus on that, not what the media is driving down our throats. Right. 
Amen. You and I have talked about uplifting things today. We didn't get in a down mode and we're in the media. So search for media that's going to help you get healthy and minimize your exposure to the toxic media. Ooh. There that way we can find hope. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. That's amazing. But I, but I set out to find it for my family. I, I went about it my, myself. I don't want to be reactive. I don't want to inherit disease anymore. I don't want to inherit a system that's not working. I want to build my own. And I'm going to do that. And, and also, I just don't want to be an evangelist. If you want to learn how to be healthy, you'll ask me and I'll share. But I'm not going to ram it down your throat. When you're ready to get healthy, listen to the Rebel Health Coach. Yeah. Watch Healthy Long Life. Read my book. It's there. But I'm not going to ram it down your throat. But I am going to pursue it for myself and my family. And anyone who wants to know, I'll share with them freely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I know you got to get running, but let me. I got I want to talk more about the Oasis of Hope and Cancer. Real quick before I close out. Yes. One of the things with cancer that I get told a lot is I have a family history. It's in my genes. Yes. I like I explain it like a loaded gun. This gun is loaded and sitting on my desk. Yes. In order to, for the bullet to come out, I have to pull the trigger. You have to. So, yes, we have genes in our body from our ancestors. But in order for the genetics to take place, somebody's got to pull the trigger. In this case, it's food normally. High fructose corn syrup is a biggie. Sugar is a biggie for cancer. So, tobacco, tobacco, stress, right? Stress, sleep. It's everything that we talked about are all the triggers that you have to pull. Um, and I'll tell you so I go around the world and I ask this question. And I hear the same thing from Sarah Hume and uh, Cancer Research UK that I hear from Dr. Delia Garcia, an oncologist specialized in breast cancer in Missouri. They, they all point to the studies and they say, yes, for example, in breast cancer, you have the oncogene or the cancer-associated gene mutation, BRCA1 and BRCA2, which also can bring in ovarian cancer. But all the studies say that it... it the gene will give you the probability, higher probability of being a cancer. But then you look at the people that are actually diagnosed with cancer and only 5% to 10% of all patients with breast cancer or ovarian cancer have BRCA1 or BRCA2 genes. Mm -hmm. So 90 to 95% of patients got cancer without having the oncogene or the, the mutated cancer gene. It's pretty... That shouldn't scare us. That should give us hope. Right. If, if I, you know, and I, I have uh, my wife and two daughters. So I'm really, really interested in helping my wife and two daughters prevent breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And I hear that and I'm like, wow. So lifestyle. Right. Lifestyle is responsible probably for over 70% because we can't cut out that we're living in a, in a polluted world. And the reality is I have not given up my telephone, my computer, everything that's putting the radio frequencies, I'm bombarded with it. But Still 70% or higher is in my daily decision of lifestyle. 
So is cancer genetic? Yes. Is it handed down? Genes are handed down. Is it my fate? Absolutely not. Good point. You have something to do about it. Very good point. All right. Before we go today, Daniel, I've got a question for you that doesn't have anything to do with health or wellness or your movie or your book, both which are amazing. But if you had 30 to 45 minutes to kill or chill, just to relax, what album or artist would you put on to listen to? This is a very easy answer for me. First of all, I would listen to it on vinyl. And I would have the, the sleeve notes to enjoy. And I would sit down with an album that came out around 1984 or 85 called The Unforgettable Fire. And I'd probably, by you too, and I would probably listen multiple times to the song called A Sort of Homecoming. Mm. And the reason why is that before Bono got kind of like obnoxious, like we've had too much of him, he's a little bit like sugar. Right. Tastes really good at first, but then it's the Messiah complex or where it's <laughs> but back when he was a youngster in the 80s, what I saw was like a rebel health coach. I saw this guy not being comfortable with his fame. I saw this guy that was really sensitive to needless killing, to needless disease throughout Africa. I saw this guy willing to be mocked to become an activist for the the good of others. And it doesn't come through any clearer to me than on the album, The Unforgettable Fire. And now that U2 is, you know, they've been around too long and and people, even diehard fans kind of like are embarrassed to admit it. I'll say my guilty pleasure is U2, The Unforgettable Fire. Nice. Very nice, Daniel. Man, I appreciate you reaching out to me. I'm so blessed to have you, and I can't wait to finish this series on on Amazon Prime and your book. I'm going to continue to read your book, and God bless you and your family, and I, I look forward to listening to the rest of the series and hopefully more from you in the future. Thank you so much. It's an honor for me to be on your program, Tom, and I feel like we are definitely kindred spirits. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I, I felt that when I was prepping, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I was as I was watching the series, I was like, and then reading the book, I'm like, wow, he's like, everything in here is like so true. And it needs to be heard. And I'm and bravo to you for putting it out and taking the time to travel all those countries, which was amazing. I mean, that had to be amazing for you just to go do this documentary. It's a beautiful world. It really is. You know, one of the most touching moments for me, and I know we're wrapping up, but one of the most touching moments for me was sitting in a temple in Kyoto with uh, a priest and speaking to him. And, you know, we're coming from two different spiritual views or two different religions that we practice. And we connected on everything and we were like in one spirit. And it was so meaning to me when meaningful to me because the world is always pointing out the differences, especially in the US when they say we're a divided nation. And lots of that is political, politically right. charged. Because when I traveled the world, 
I was able to connect and be invited into personal homes of people in 13 different countries. And what I found was that there's more in common than are the things that divide us. And if we would embrace that, yes, there is hope for changing the United States. Man, that's, that's gold right there. That's solid gold, what you just said. All right, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, I'm honored. And I'd love to keep in touch. Absolutely, I look forward to that. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.